welcome to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. Three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you enjoy today's discussion. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. This is episode 19, and the title of this episode is Not Under the Law. We've talked a lot about the law in the past and how we are no longer under the law. If you go back and listen to our older recordings, you'll hear a lot of that. But today we're going to focus on once we're saved and we're Christians, we are no longer under the law. So what are the benefits of that? And then how do we as Christians now live without that set of imposing rules in front of us all the time to tell us do this and don't do that? It seems like we're kind of set adrift with no moral guidance. And I know that's not true. Mark, why don't you start us off today with uh, just a brief description of the law, and then we can move forward into those other pieces. I would love to do that because it's one of my favorite subjects. Now, just to uh, continue on from last week, we had uh, talked uh, first about, we had defined the law. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I suggest you listen listen to that one because it really sets this one up. So we defined what the law is, and we talked about the purpose for which it was given. Okay. Now, one thing we don't want to be misunderstood on is, and as the Apostle Paul touched on many times, because he was always afraid of being misunderstood when he told people we're no longer under the law, is we're not saying the law itself is bad. Who could argue with that thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, lie, covet, commit adultery? No one's going to argue that those are bad things. That's good. We all, you know, we don't want that done to us. (laughs) <laughs> and and then just like the golden rule, if we don't want it done to us, then we, we shouldn't do it to others. So we're not arguing with that. What we're talking about is a system, a mindset, a, a mentality, a construct by which we live, gain salvation, acceptance, and blessing from God. That in itself, even though the law itself is good, is a perversion. It's an abomination, really. It's evil. And that is not God's plan. God's plan from before the creation of the world was the gospel of seeing us in Christ as holy and blameless. That was from before he even created anything. Man's plan was the law. In fact, the Apostle Paul called the law, this old covenant system of the law, He called it the elemental and miserable spiritual forces of the world. The law, this religion that that people have created, pick any religion in the world, even the Christian one. That's not true Christianity. That's religion. It's a construct to live by. And that's what we're going to talk about being out from under today. Tim? Good start. Um so I, I want to start off the benefits conversation by by saying that the biggest benefit I I feel out of this is we are no longer held accountable spiritually or when we go to heaven for any misdeeds that we do. It doesn't mean we said the law was good, and it's still good, you know, even though we aren't accountable to it. But our actions here on earth can can have consequences. So let's go to the worst case scenario, murder. I go murder somebody. I'm going to get caught by the law. I'm going to get tried. I'm going to get sentenced and I'm going to be jailed. But when I go to heaven, if I'm a Christian, 
My sins are all forgiven. I am not held accountable for that in the fact that I'm going to be condemned and sent to hell. I'm still going to go to heaven and be with Jesus. And that's, you know, uh, again, we, we don't purpose to break the law. Uh, you know, in, on earth, and we don't purpose to do sins, which is, as we know, falling short of the mark. But the law was given originally to prove we can't keep the law. And so we are going to fail occasionally. And knowing that even when we fail, we're not going to be condemned by our Heavenly Father is just amazing. Ajay, I haven't given you a chance to talk yet this morning. Yeah, so Tim, like you said, you know, one of the biggest, I think we are talking about the benefits of being under the law. So we are going to consider uh, several of them, but the biggest one, like you said, is um, being freed from condemnation. So just to take a step back and summarize what uh, Mark also said was, you know, what does no longer being under the law mean? So there is a verse that uh, very simply describes this. Romans 11, 6 says, you know, if it is by grace, it is no longer by works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So there's a very clear distinction between law and grace, right? If it is of the law, it cannot be by grace. If it is by grace, it cannot be by the law. It's like light and darkness. If you are in light, you cannot say I am in darkness. And if you are in darkness, I cannot say you are in light. So what not being under the law means that, you know, you're not approaching God based on the law anymore. You're not approaching God based on works. So we see this a lot in Christianity, this mixed gospel, right? Even though they are saved by grace, they still approach God based on the law. They think, you know, if I give to God, he will bless me, right? If I obey God, he will keep me from sickness. And if somebody gets sick or run into an accident, their immediate uh, thinking is that, oh, maybe I should have did, I did something, right? I did disobeyed God in this area. So all that is going back to, you know, basically what they are saying is, I did not keep the law. But the Bible says, right, you know, where there is no law, there is no transgression. So back to your point, Tim, we are not held accountable because Jesus was held accountable and he paid the full price for our sin. And it is very, very important because, you know, as human beings from our childhood, since we were born into this world, we were under the law. So our default mode is, you know, you try to keep the law, and but you don't keep it, then you're condemned. The cycle of trying to keep failing and condemnation. We are going in this circle, and it's a Vicious circle, right? You know, we are trying to get out, but we can never. So what Lord Jesus did, what we could not do, he did. And then he delivered us from the law. And now we are no longer under the law. That means, you know, now we have a new way of living. The Bible calls it not the old way of written code, but the new way of life. And the first thing is a gift of no condemnation. In fact, you know, unless we are delivered from this cycle of guilt and condemnation and shame, we can never actually live the life that we God gave us and we can never focus on loving God and loving others because under the law system, what's happening is you're constantly trying to obey and you fail and you go in this condemnation. And then you're trying to get out of condemnation by obeying more, but you fail again. Then you're condemned more. Then you're trying to get out of condemnation by obeying more. It's like 
in a spiral, right? So your focus is always on trying to get out of this condemnation. There's no time for you to focus on helping someone else. Even when you help someone else, what you're trying to do is trying to get yourself out of condemnation. But now we are freed from this condemnation, you know, like we are released and our heart is full of joy. And we, this is a new way of life, you know, this trying to obey the law and getting condemned that is behind us. And we enter into this new way of life with this, right? There is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So that is a basis and that is a foundation of our walk in grace. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that, that was going to be my point is that we're no longer, Jesus said, the old is gone, the new has come. And that old system was only meant to be a transition to take us to Christ. And I, wa- I want to read you a few things here. These are all things that the Apostle Paul said about that old system of being under the law, the old covenant of the law. He said that he called it the elemental and miserable spiritual forces of the world. He called it a yoke of slavery. It's the law of sin and death. It's actually the power and dominion of sin. It's a slave master, a stumbling stone. And he says that the law was just a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And then he says, these rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So that's the old. We are no longer under that system. And who would want to be? It's like hitting yourself in the same place with a hammer on your knee (laughs) throughout the centuries and then finally stopping and being like, hey, this is awesome. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because that's what it is. You're just banging your head against the wall because nobody can keep the law. And it was never meant for us to keep. It was meant for us to come to Christ. That's the new. I don't know, Mark. Paul's description makes it sound so attractive. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, it, it must be to some because untold millions keep staying, keeping themselves under it. And I think it's just a lack of understanding and knowledge is what the problem is. And hopefully there's going to be plenty of people out there preaching the one true gospel that are going to set them free. Because if I had one word I could use for the new system that Christ put in place, in fact, the new system, I don't even want to call it a system. The new system is a person. It's Jesus. Yeah. Yep. And it'd be Jesus' freedom. We are free now. And Paul would say, not free to sin, to indulge the sinful nature, but free to love God and to walk in freedom and free to be filled with the fruits of the Spirit. And this new way is the Spirit. That's the life that we're going to live now. Yeah. Ajay. Yeah, Mark, you know, I really like that analogy of, you know, hitting yourself on the knee. I think what's happening is uh, people, you know, when you get hurt, you actually take the hammer and hit yourself on the knee more and expect healing. So law is like that, the condemnation that comes from the law. Every time you sin, you condemn yourself more. That's like hitting yourself with the hammer on the knee. And the kind of the foolishness here is we are expecting by hurting yourself more, we are expecting healing. So that's not going to happen. 
It's like trying to squeeze a lime and hoping for orange juice to come out of it. Yeah, <laughs> You're not yeah. going to get the good things you desire yeah, through yeah. the law. Yeah. So if we're free of condemnation, that means we're also, what comes out of that is we're free from punishment. We don't have to fear punishment for what yeah. we've done. If the, it's all been forgiven and taken away. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's exactly right, uh, Tim. So condemnation comes with punishment, and then punishment creates uh, fear, right? So our lifestyle, if you think about this, this whole world is, there are only two motivations for any for the world to do anything, either to avoid punishment, right? Fear or fear of punishment, or they do things out of greed. These are only two motivations. It's not really love. But when the fear of punishment is removed, right? Because there's no condemnation, then we are actually freed to actually love people, right? To actually do things out of good motivations because there is no fear of punishment and God has already blessed us, you know. So these two primary motivations in our old life, fear and greed, they totally are taken away. Now we are, they are replaced with this joy and peace and hope and love and thankfulness. So again, you know, we are kind of going into, as these things are removed, right, we are automatically being transitioned into a new way of operating. You know, we don't call it the system, but if you want to, for analogy, if you want to call it the system of grace, right? In this new system, you know, the motivations are also different. We are not motivated by fear. We are not motivated by guilt. We are not trying to, you know, people walk with a chip on their shoulder, right? You know, somehow, you know, there's a sense of shame on them. They're trying to just somehow redeem themselves from that shame. That is not the motivation. So our motivation is like freedom, like Mark said, you know, there's no condemnation and there's no fear of punishment and we will never ever be punished by God. God will never be angry with us. Now we start seeing God as our heavenly father and this new life in us gives us joy, hope and um, righteousness. You know, in fact, Romans says that, you know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And he that serves God in these things is approved of God and, you know, accepted of man. So basically our motivations change and this fear gives way to joy and peace, right? And then we have this righteousness, you know, we are not no longer sinners, but we are righteousness. And then fear of punishment gives way to the hope of eternal life. So in these things, we are serving God and others. So this is a totally new way of life. Yeah, that is really revolutionary. Even to the core of our motivations, it changes everything. And one of the reasons is because this new way is the ministry of the Holy Spirit of Christ. Yep. That changes everything. That's the new way we live, by the Spirit. You can't get the Spirit through the law. Yep. 2 Corinthians 3 tells us that the law is a ministry of death and condemnation, and it was only transitory. It was meant to take us to the ministry of the Spirit, which is righteousness and life and lasts forever. So it's time for that to go. And one of the things I've... I love is that Jesus didn't just give us a new start or another chance. He made it so that we don't need new starts or other chances because this new system isn't about 
how many new starts or new chances I need because I screwed up because it's not about what I do. It's about what Christ did for me. And now I live in freedom in the spirit, loving God and just appreciating. And it just brings joy to your life that you're never going to get. And here's one thing I really love. Hebrews 10, 14, this really encapsulates a lot here. You could just sit and ponder this one for a long time. It says, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So at the same time, we are perfect in God's eyes. So if you're already perfect in God's eyes, how much more work do you need to do? How many more rules? How much better do you need to do it to be more perfect? <laughs> you're already perfect. He's done it for you. But then there's a, there's a little conundrum here or, or paradox. He says, even though God has made you perfect, He's making you holy as you walk through your life. And to me, that means that we are perfect in his eyes. As, as, as Tim said, we're not accountable. Our sin isn't taken into account in our account with God because Christ has already paid that account off for us with his own life. But in this world, we're being made holy because that's, that, that's the fruit of the Spirit. As you walk in freedom, you're no longer under the dominion of sin and the law those good things are going to start to come out of you by his spirit effortlessly, not your effort, but just by staying connected with God with through Christ. That's great, Mark, and I appreciate all that. And I think we want to go, I'm going to go on to another one. Um, we're not going to cover all of the freedoms that we have under, uh, under grace, but if you want to go back and listen to more of those, uh, we did three-part series, episode five, six, and seven are all about freedoms, and we go into some of these a lot more deeply. Having those first two, the freedom from condemnation and fear, you know, fear of punishment, leads to another one that I think is huge because I'm, I'm one of these people. It leads us to the freedom of guilt. I'm a heavy self-guilt guy. When I screw up something, I really can beat myself up, and you know, thankfully with the spirit in me, it's being changed, but we don't have to beat ourselves up anymore. When we fall short, we don't have to condemn ourselves. That feeling of guilt, it doesn't, it separates us from our relationship with God. And like Adam in the garden of Eden, when he realized, you know, when he ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge, he learned he was naked and was ashamed. We don't have to be ashamed anymore, no matter what happens, not in front of God, not in front of God. Ajay? Yeah, so in fact, everybody, you know, we go in this mode of beating ourselves up, you know, feeling guilty. I think at the root of this, on the surface, this guilt seems like a good thing or feeling, you know, bad about it. You know, this guy is taking responsibility. But uh, if you go uh, one step deeper, the root of feeling guilt is self-righteousness. Though to begin with, you know, why are we feeling guilty? Because we are attempting to keep the law. And when we failed, you know, we are beating ourselves up. So deep down again, you know, it goes back to relating to God based on the law. And again, it's self-righteousness. But, you know, as the Holy Spirit floods our heart and the truth sets us free, right? You know, we actually are delivered from feeling guilty. And in fact, you know, when we do things out of guilt, there is no life on it, right? So it doesn't really produce a fruit. It's 
But, you know, when we do things knowing that, you know, we are forgiven, right? I am the righteousness of God in Christ and there is no condemnation. You know, God is not imputing any sin to me. If you do things with that sense of righteousness, life flows because the Bible says righteousness, they that uh, receive the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Just as sin breeds death, righteousness breeds life. And if you are feeling guilty and doing things out of uh, guilt and shame, we really cannot produce life. You know, we will still, because we are, our basis is still the law. So it is a very, very subtle thing and it feels good on the surface, but deep down, why feel we feel guilty is we are still self-righteous. We want to accomplish it. And the shame is also related, you know. Why we, why we feel ashamed is because we still think we are supposed to do something, but we have not done it. So we are not accepting the finished work of Lord Jesus Christ. When we accept that, you know, Lord has already done everything on our behalf, there's no shame because why would I be ashamed if there's nothing lacking? There's nothing for me to do. Why would I be ashamed, right? So I think it all, we are not saying that, you know, you just go out there and sin shamelessly and don't take responsibility. That's not what we are saying. But what we are saying is when we recognize that God is not imputing sin to me and Jesus has finished the work. And if that is the starting place for our Christian walk, then we'll produce the fruit of uh, the Spirit in our lives. Yeah, guilt guilt never did one good thing for anybody. Nothing good comes out of guilt. I mean, the first guilty people, Adam and Eve, what happened when they were guilty? They hid from them. And that's the same thing I could tell you from my life before I came to the one true gospel was I was always guilty. And that distanced me from God. I would hide for three or four days until I got going good again and hadn't done that same sin again. Then I could go back to God. And Tim, you know, and we, we do, we beat ourselves up over it. But the thing that hit me as you were saying about that, which many of us can testify to that same exact experience and those feelings, is that the only one that has the right to accuse us is God himself. And what did he say? He said, I made them perfect forever. So if God's not accusing us, then we have no right to accuse ourselves. The devil can't accuse us. Other people, other nobody has the right to accuse us and tell us you're guilty other than God himself who said, you are perfect forever in my son. So it's just, you know, it's such a great new system. It's, it it's just totally changes everything. Yeah. Um, and I've used this illustration before, but I think it's really apropos with what we're talking about today, is that so many people think that God's up there, he's got a slate in his hand, he's watching your life, he's writing down every sin you ever do, okay? And now, oh, oh, look, he came to Christ. I'm going to take my eraser now and erase those sins. And now you better stay clean now, all right? Because I don't want to have to write on here again, or you're really in trouble, right? What does he do? He takes that slate and says, here's the old system. And he chucks it into the deepest ocean or the deepest pit of hell and says, that's not it anymore. I'm not judging you by what you do, but by your faith in my precious son. When you think about that, we're not being saved to neutral. We're not being saved to a, a new start and a second chance because we're going to screw up again if that's what it is. <laughs> that's yeah. just we're humans. We are saved unto a declaration of righteousness yeah. and a declaration that Christ has made us perfect forever. And once God has declared us righteous, 
we could no longer lose that status. We didn't do anything to gain it in the first place. He did it all. Yep. That is absolutely beautiful, Mark. Uh, I do, I'm, you know me, I'm looking at the clock, so I do want to move us on to our second topic. There is so much more we could do here. We, we could go on for, you know, the rest of the day. But we also wanted to talk about how then shall we live, more or less. And that is because the law did give us something comforting as human beings, and that was a set of rules to attempt to live by. Now, knowing that we couldn't should make all the difference, but it's somehow comforting to us as human beings to have a plan, a guideline, uh, you know, this is what we're supposed to do. Unfortunately, it also makes us judge one another. You're not doing this and you're not doing that. Sometimes while I'm not doing those two things, I might be doing two or three other things over here. And so that's tough. So now that we're, we have all this freedom, just, we guess we can just go out and get hammered and do all kinds of stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? You could do that, but that's not what faith in Christ leads to. Yeah. That is not the fruit. And that's the basic misunderstanding. The love of God in your life doesn't prompt you to go out and get hammered. He gives yeah. you much better things than that. Yeah, in fact, you know, the same thing Mark, you are saying. I wanted to kick this off uh, with the scripture in Romans chapter 7, from verse 4 to 6. Therefore, my brethren, you have also become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So we are moving to a newness of the spirit and life, not the oldness of letter and death. So... Simply put, you know, now we are going to this, you know, just as we are saved by faith, simply we believe the gospel and we received it, right? So by the same way we were saved by faith, you know, we continue to walk by faith and we receive everything, you know, Lord Jesus Christ did for us by faith through the Spirit and continue to walk in Him. But I think, you know, what does it mean to walk by faith, right? You know, before we get there, or at least as a beginning, you know, the thing that happens, you know, in the new way of life is we renew our mind with all the truths that we just discussed, right? So it begins with the renewing of our minds with all that Jesus has done for us, understanding basically, you know, what has happened to us at salvation, understanding. There are so many things, you know, at uh, salvation, Primarily, you know, many of us are only uh, um, aware of or conscious of our forgiveness of sins, you know, because they were under guilt and shame, and now we have this forgiveness of sins. But along with forgiveness of sins, you know, God also gave us many more things, right? His spirit, his life, and we are placed in Jesus. Jesus comes to live in us. But again, I think just it begins with renewing of our mind, Again, I think going back, you know, the first thing, the solid foundation is that, you know, he forgave all our sins. There is no condemnation. God will never bring up our sins again. He is not imputing our sin to us. And we will not come into judgment. We talked about it this already, right, a lot. That is the starting point. 
But you know, there is more than that, right? So he gave us eternal life and we have the life of Christ in us. And, you know, we start to live by this life that is in us rather than, you know, living by our own self-effort. I wanted to put just a little disclaimer here. And that is, I can just kind of picture in my mind, because I'm sure I would have at a point had the same feelings and thoughts. And uh, just I can imagine a Christian out there just um, thinking, you know what? I love the Lord Jesus. This isn't for me. This is for people that are doing religion. And I'll just say, I don't believe there's a human being on the planet that does not have that law mentality in them. Everybody. Think about most of the things we're talking about that the Apostle Paul wrote today that we're we're talking about. They were written to believers, not unbelievers. When he wrote to the Galatians, he said, I'm writing to the faithful in Christ. In fact, they were mature believers. They had a reputation for loving one another. These are believers he's writing these things to. Because And in 2 Corinthians 3, to me, he gave the best summary of how do we live now, which is the exact thing we're talking about. He said, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which is from the Spirit who is the Lord. He's saying we all, he's talking about Christians here. He's saying with an unveil, we need to unveil our hearts. Because we all have those, as much as we've come in to the grace and the spirit, we all have these little vestiges still of the old ways in us that pop up. We condemn ourselves. We feel guilty. We judge somebody else because they're not doing it. We all have that. Look at our marriages. I mean, that's the ultimate <laughs> crucible for where we are in grace, you know. So don't feel attacked or guilty if you still have some of the law, because this is something I believe we have in our DNA, but God is rewriting our DNA now. But it doesn't just, he doesn't snap his fingers and we don't have one more little vestige of works left in us. We are to unveil ourselves and contemplate the Lord's glory. The way that uh, one of my favorite writers, A.W. Toza, wrote it, he said that the Christian life is none other than fixing your gaze on it, on your Savior. That's the Christian light, looking at Jesus, contemplating all he's done. Well, simultaneously, we need to remove our own works, our own abilities to be good, to earn our own righteousness. Otherwise, we can't see him clearly. So as we focus on Christ and Oh, I just I see an old prospector in the stream panning for gold, just shaking the thing so that the dirt goes out and all that's left is gold. That's what we're doing. We're panning out the works law mentality system so that we just have the pure refined gold of Christ in our lives. And and when we do that, the, uh, the God's promise to us is that we will be transformed into the image of Christ with ever-increasing glory. And he tells us right there, who's it from? Which is from the Spirit. So that's, he's giving us the blueprint for the Christian life there. Focusing on Christ, getting rid of the old law, and being transformed into Christ by his Spirit. And that's a good point right there, is that transformation uh, by the Spirit, when we get, when we accept Christ, 
we may not have a set of rules now in front of us to follow. What, what he gave us was the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit now resides in us and is changing us, like you said, you know, bringing us to Christ's glory. We, can't, we cannot ever assume that glory, but we can be transformed by the Spirit. He's our guide. He's our comforter. He's, he's constantly at work inside of us, and so we stop. We slowly lose the desire for the things that we used to like, the lusts of the flesh, the, the, you know, the things that we would call inappropriate acts. Those are the things that he works out of us that we couldn't work out of ourselves. Again, we cannot follow the law. So he's inside of us transforming us. Yeah, Tim, you used the word uh, transforming a couple of times. I'm reminded of this scripture. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So again, I think going back, you know, this uh, transformation comes by the renewing of the mind. And that's where the Holy Spirit, you know, he starts beginning to teach us, right, about all the things that the Lord Jesus did. Paul says that, you know, while I am among you, I decided not to know anything but Christ and him crucified. So beholding the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ involves, you know, seeing Christ, right, his glory and his finished work on the cross. Again, I think when it uh, comes to the finished work on the cross, right, you know, there are several things our Lord Jesus did for us. What do we renew uh, our uh, minds with? It is renewing our minds with all the things that Lord Jesus Christ has done for for us. I want to quickly talk about a few things. I don't think we can go into detail in into all these things, but I want us to know there are several things the Lord Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. The first one we talked about, you know, he forgave all our sins, and then he gave us eternal life, and we passed from death to life. And then the third is, you know, we, he quickened our dead spirits. The Bible says, you know, before we were born again, our spirits were dead and our hearts were, we had uh, evil hearts. But the Bible says, you know, when we are born again, he gave us new spirit and a new heart. And then he put his Holy Spirit in us, like we are talking about. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And through the Spirit, you know, we are placed in Christ and Christ himself comes to live in us. And then the Bible says, you know, he made us the righteousness of God in Christ. And then finally, you know, he made us his dear children. And then the Bible says, you know, we become a new creation in our Lord Jesus Christ. So each of these truths, you know, we can go into much depth. But, you know, the point here is that God gave us a new life to live. And Christ accomplished several things for us. And that's why the Bible says, you know, this is a great salvation. There are so many things that uh, God gave us through the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And our new life involves actually discovering all these things and renewing our mind as to who we have become in Christ and living by this new life. In simply put, you know, it all comes down to our identity, right? So instead of identifying ourselves with our old life, now we identify with ourselves with our new life, which is in Christ Jesus. Again, going back to Mark, what you said, you know, how do we know what our new life is? By beholding Jesus, looking at the finished work of the cross, and looking at all the beauties of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
the more we see him, the more we see his beauty, the more we see his love for us, the more we become like him. Simply put, you know, the more we look at Lord Jesus Christ, the more we reflect his life in us. Man, that's got to be one of the most powerful truths on the planet. Yep. I would love to just touch on one of those briefly. We're all parents. We all have kids. And we say a lot that uh, once we're saved, we become the children of God. We become as dear children, as you put it, Ajay. I like that. It's such a small statement for such a big thing. Uh, The Bible also says that if you, being earthly parents, can give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Heavenly Father give to you? It is just I know how much I love my kids, and I'm telling you, there's very, you know, other than my wife, maybe there's probably no greater love in my world than my children. And if I have that much, how much more does God have for us? And if he has that much love for us, how much does he want for us for the good and the and the better and the, you know, I, I just can't even get into it all how deeply that affects the way I think about it. And I know that some people didn't have great upbringing. And so they don't understand what that means. But when they do receive Christ and they start walking in that truth, it is completely changing them. Yeah. And what I wanted to add to what you two just said about the dear children part is Galatians 4, at the end of the first paragraph, Paul says that we're not only children of God, we're more than children of God. We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. One of the things as a as a worship leader, that's what my trade is, if you can call it a trade, um, is for Christians that they would understand the high estate to which they've been called. We are the children of God. We are the righteousness of God. New creations, dearly loved. I mean, We have such a high estate, and all the law tries to do is pull us down from who we are, for who we, from who we are. So, if you if you go back and listen, if you notice Tim, me, and Ajay, the two words I've heard probably the most in this conversation are old and new. It's about leaving the old, coming to the new. So many are still back in the old, or are hanging on to little vestiges of the old, even though they're trying to get to the new. You're already in the new if you're in Christ. And this is not Tim and Ajay and me calling you to come to the new. This is God's gospel. He's calling you. And these were Christ's words in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying, come and bring me that yoke of slavery you've been under the law. Let's throw that away and take my yoke, which is restful, which is light. You know, it's just he's the one calling us all out of the law to himself. That's the very reason we were created was for himself, for God. If his yoke is easy, imagine how light it should be, right? You know, generally you don't use the word yoke and easy together. Right. So it is like, I imagine like, you know, just cotton or a sponge, right? So light, you know, that's how his yoke is. But Tim, I just want to go back to this dear children comment you made real quick. Uh, you know, that is 
I think is a revolution, most revolutionary and life-changing thing about grace is we begin to see God as our father. You know, most of us still have trouble with that. You know, they don't have problem seeing God as almighty, you know, all powerful, the creator of heaven and earth. But they really have a problem seeing God as a father. You know, but the coolest part is, you know, the almighty God now is our father. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, last verse says, you know, I will receive you, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So the Lord Almighty is saying that I shall be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. So this new life primarily involves relating to God as father and also discovering what it means that God is our father, right? You know, most of us live our life like um, orphans. You know, let's say we get a, we run into a little trouble and we are like all over the place, right? Panicking and all that because we are acting as if we don't have a father who is almighty. But when we start renewing our mind and changing our mind and start seeing God every day as our father, then our whole life changes. That one small thing is enough to live the new life. Just start seeing God as your father. That changes everything. That changes everything. Well, guys, there is so much more we could do just on those two little topics of you know, how do we live without the law and what are our, what are the benefits of not living under that law? But we are coming to a close here and I want to give you each a chance to do your final comments or wrap-ups, so to speak. So, Ajay, you want to go first? Yeah, so I think uh, um, Mark and Tim, like uh, we talked about, right, you know, this salvation is so great. It's not something we can cover in one podcast. You know, we are just not even scratching the surface, right? We are. It's a very, very feeble attempt to scratch the surface of what we have and the inheritance that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. So in this new way of life, you know, it just involves, you know, discovering that, you know, we are no longer under the law and we don't relate to God based on our works, right? Now God gives everything freely, seeing ourselves as the righteousness of God in Christ, and understanding God is our father. And this new way of life is, you know, just like the children, right? When they were small, what do they do? Any trouble they get, they just say, daddy, and they run to daddy, right? And then we take care of it. So that is a life now we have. Any trouble we have, any challenges we face, run to the father. And knowing that, you know, the law is not between you and God. Sin is not between you and God. You can freely run to the father. So this new life is life of dependency as a child, depends on the father. And let me ask you this, Ajay, does the child worry about whether all of a sudden one day he's not going to be his daddy's child anymore? Not at all. Of course not. not. Yeah. There's no even thought yeah. of that. However, under the law, the entire world is worried about whether they're doing it well enough. Am I going to, if I've come into salvation, am I going to lose it? No, a child doesn't ever worry about, is my dad going to stop loving me tomorrow if I mess up? Yeah. That's one of the great things is that a freedom of having to worry about are we still, are, is he still our daddy? He is and forever will be. Amen and amen. This has been a great conversation and there is so much more we can get into. We also encourage our listeners 
look in the Bible for yourselves, especially the letters of Paul, to learn more, understand more. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to communicate with us via email or our Facebook page. Information will be in the trailer as we head off for today. Guys, God bless. Have a great day. And we will all talk to you later. We would like to thank you for listening to The Unveiling. We hope you have enjoyed it enough to consider subscribing and sharing with others. We welcome your questions, comments, and feedback. You can reach us via email at theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com or find our Facebook page at The Unveiling Podcast. For IJ, Mark, and myself, God bless, and we will talk with you next time.